Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends, Don Harris here. We've been talking about the words of Jesus and uh, using this little book to introduce some of you folks to the red ink in the scriptures. I hope you're enjoying the series. If you miss any part of the series, uh, if you will uh, check with us at thinkredink.com. If you go there, you'll uh, be able to find your way around and be able to uh, get on a mailing list uh, so that um, you can be aware when these shows are produced into DVDs. Um, We haven't uh, fully decided as to how they are going to be produced into what particular format. But um, as demand is made, we'll get those things to you. And you can fill in some of the shows that you happen to miss. We've been talking about Jesus in the Mount of Temptation. Um, Some people call that situation the Mount of Temptation. Uh, Some people just simply refer to it as the Temptation of Christ. But Jesus, after he called his disciples after he was baptized, entered into this mountain to be tempted of the devil. The Bible teaches that he was led of the Spirit uh, into this temptation situation. There was a reason why Jesus had to do this. One of them is, temptation is the one of the first uh, um, uncomfortable situations that we're going to find ourselves in as Christians. And that is that even after we have decided to go that way, to, to drop our way and go his way. We're going to find the old life and the flesh and the eyes and the, and the pride of life and all the problems that we have are going to tug upon us to uh, go back to the old way. And um, this is a matter of, um, of uh, will on our part. It's a matter of works on our part. It's a matter of doing on our part. Um, And I think the people who are most displeased with um, their Christian walk are those who have decided that um, that the the common understanding of Christianity, the common understanding of salvation, um, of uh, all you have to do is just believe in Jesus and everything's going to be just fine. Well... Anybody with a modicum of intelligence and just a handful of years' experience knows that that's just not so. So there is something more to this. The Christian life is not supposed to be drudgery, yet it's not uh, you know a fishing trip either. It's not uh, it's not vacation time. It's not Disneyland. We all know this. Um, it's like yesterday we talked about uh, living without sin and. Uh, and that's even you know the even that comment is distasteful to many people. You can't tell people that they can live without sin. Uh, well, sure you can. If you quote the scripture, you'll find that uh, the scriptures are able to say that unequivocally. That uh, he that is born of God doesn't commit sin, for his Christ's seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. Well. Uh, those kind of things are extremely important, and, um, and and these foundations have to be laid, or 
we're going to have a lot of difficulty with our Christian life. I don't know if it's happened to you yet, but uh, surely it will, that you're going to come to a point in a time in your life when you're just flat going to need uh, help. And um, it's, uh, it's not a matter of just throwing your head back and looking toward heaven and saying, oh God, please do this and please do that and that he's going to see to it that it all happens. We all know that doesn't happen. I don't know why, except perhaps in desperation and sadness, that we even engage ourselves in that. Um, I know that um, uh, there, there is, this is a balance um, between um, you know that happy-go-lucky, fool-hearted um, attitude of, you know, I'm a child of God, nothing can happen to me, you know, God is wonderful and God is good and he gives me uh, parking places at Walmart and to the person that I essentially became when I gave up on Christianity. And that was that, um, you know, this that cynical kind of, you know, this doesn't work thing. Well, I thank God that um, I, I learned uh, in my time that uh, I decided to apply logic and wasn't willing to lie for Jesus. Uh, well, you know what I mean. And that is when you attribute every good thing in your life to him, that God is doing all these wonderful things for you. Um, and anything that's bad is of the devil. Anything that's good is of God. And you determine what's good and bad. And, and you pray and things don't happen. But when something does happen, you're, you know, you're just... Uh, the magnanimous person you are is you're willing to give God the credit for it. And uh, you present the idea that your life is full of miracles when it's not. You present the idea that God is interested in everything you do, which he's not. Uh, you, uh, you put on like uh, you're some kind of a Christian that, um, well, you just get everything you ask for. Um, but you know that's not so. Well, that's the lying that I wasn't willing to do, and um, it uh, it caught up with me, and um, I uh, I had to I had to come to the conclusion that I have a uh, a lot to to answer for in those areas, and I decided to be logical. I decided to um, to to tell the truth, and uh, only say what the scriptures say. And no, 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 not as I interpret them. No, no, everybody's doing that. You know, our, our, our denomination is based on the Bible. I bet it's not. <laughs> it might be based on your interpretation of it, but not on what the Bible actually says. Do you realize that when you do things his way and you think red ink and you live in such a way that um, allows the truth to come through that you don't have to interpret a whole lot of the Bible anymore. It just says it just like it actually is. And a six-year-old can read it and understand it. And it makes perfect sense. You don't have to interpret it or say, well, back in the day, you know, this meant that and that meant this and they used to do this. And back in the day, it was different than it is now. And you don't have to make all those silly excuses. It's just... It's just wonderful living this way. Um, but what you do end up doing is, is you end up giving up 
your fantasy life and uh, you start dealing in reality. Uh, and that means works. That means you've got you to do something. You have to, God has to honor what you do. He doesn't necessarily honor what you believe. He honors what you do. Um, I, I can't help but think of poor little Gideon out there uh, 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 cutting his, uh, I guess it was barley. Uh, it might have been wheat, but he's out there, you know, putting it into bundles. And then he had to carry it off into the woods and find a place out in the woods to hide it. Why was he doing that? Because he knew as soon as he got it sheaved that the Midianites would come by and load it on a wagon and carry it off and burn the rest. Well, it was because they were under the oppression of the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord came to uh, Gideon and said, Hail, mighty man of valor. And he says, You talking to me? <laughs> me? Mighty man of valor. First of all, you need to realize that the tribe that I'm of in Israel is the smallest of the tribes. The family that I'm in is the smallest family in that tribe. And I'm the least in my family. So... You got the wrong guy if you're talking about a mighty man of valor. Well, the angel was speaking prophetically about Gideon because that's exactly what he turned into, into be. But let me show you how this relationship started. The relationship started with him saying, well, of course, the angel said to him, Hail thou mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And so he decided that he was going to deal in logic and deal in truth, and decided, I'm going to ask you a question, Mr. Angel. And that was, if God is with us, then why have all these things befallen us? Why do the Midianites torture us every day? Why do they come in and steal our food? You know, the Lord's with us? No thanks. Uh, you know, that's, that's just not, that's not my experience. Well, the angel had to explain to Gideon if you want to change the situation, you need to, what, study your Bible? No. You need to go to church? No. You need to pray. Yeah, that'll do it. No, didn't say that. He said to get up in your strength and do something about it. And, and I'm just afraid that there's a lot of Christians, so-called, out there that are suffering with things that... Um, they could very well, if they were living under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, that they would be given things to do. And if you think that that is works, and therefore it's anathema because it's essentially not faith, um, I happen to believe it is faith. Faith is doing things. Um, faith is doing things for reasons other than your own, uh, doing things because of, of a logic or a faith or information that comes to you supernaturally. I think that is faith. Um, you can work that out on your own if you wish, but there are a lot of people who feel like, well, you know, we need to just let go and let God. No, 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 no. You don't need to let go of any ropes. You need to pull on them. Uh, you don't need to let go of the oars that are paddling your boat. You need to pull on those oars and get things going in your life. And, and do something and let him bless what you do. These, this is an aside of what we're talking about here. But um, I think that it's important that foundationally we understand that our Christian life has a lot to do with uh, our effort 
and, uh, and God's power used on our behalf. There's a, a concept uh, in Christianity that, uh, that it is all by faith, and there are some people who are equally wrong in this area that teach that it's all by works. There are some people who teach that it has to do with whatever liturgical practices you're involved in, uh, how many times you pray a day, how many times how you pray, what you pray, and all these kind of mechanical things. Um, but what I found is is that the Christian life is just is just a wonderful, even symmetrical, sometimes asymmetrical, but a symmetrical balance of all these stations of life coming together under the leadership of God and, and making, essentially, a happy Christian and a powerful one. Let me share with you some, uh, some concepts in this area. One of the most detrimental uh, foundational principles in Christianity is trying to take um, the idea of salvation, regeneration, redemption, all these things that we understand as Christians and things that we actually want to receive from our God. And we put them into a category of things being spiritual and to the neglect of the physical. Um, yes, there is a problem with religion becoming a physical exercise. You do things a certain way, you say certain things, you use certain words, you go certain places, you dress in certain ways. And um, I, I just recently saw somebody uh, in town, and it was obvious from across the way that this person was in a particular denomination that I'm well familiar with. And, um, and it was just so obvious that they were, you know, wearing a uniform, that they were, you know, had their hair done in a certain way. They had certain clothes that were acceptable to their denomination. And I'm thinking, why can't we get that kind of dedication to our Father God? Why, why is it that people will dedicate to what other people see and uh, not to uh, what, what God clearly lays out in the scriptures as to what he expects of us? I don't know. I really don't know why that's easier or that's more preferable, but it seems to be that it is. Um, there's a particular denomination that I'm thinking of that, um, <laughs> well, uh, those that are familiar with this denomination is going to know exactly who I'm talking about, but um, it seems like uh, everybody shops for their briefcase at the very same store. And it's like there's just an idea that this is acceptable and this isn't, or they want to fit in, and this this kind of thing. I don't get it. Um, well, I I don't want to set myself outside of all that and say, you know, that doesn't affect me. Sure, it does. Oh my goodness, I, I'm I'm sorry to say that uh, that I feel that way in a lot of cases that uh, these kind of things are important. Jesus talked about caring about what other people say to you, about you, for you, with you in conversation, with others about you in conversation, um, how people feel about what you do, what you say, what, who you are. Um, to really care about persons or to have 
respect of persons in one way or situation or another is um, uh, Jesus tried to tell us that this is very, very dangerous. Unfortunately, uh, this lesson, and we're going we're gonna to talk about this as, as we go through the words of Christ, because it's, it's going to come up, um, that uh, he called that kind of living, that kind of lifestyle, um, he, he used a term to describe it, which was leaven. Um, if you ask the, you know, the conventional church today, what does leaven represent or describe or symbolize or whatever um, uh, in the scriptures, most everyone will answer sin. Um, but you might be surprised uh, as you learn to think red ink that um, Jesus didn't say it was sin at all. He never said it was sin. As a matter of fact, he said it was something else. Um, and uh, I've always been shocked that uh, people are not so curious as to ask, well, what did he say? Uh, it's like people don't really care. Uh, it's like, hey, I learned that it was sin. So for me, it is sin. My grandpa believed it was sin. My grandma believed it was sin. My denomination said it. My preacher said it was sin just last Sunday. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, well, yeah, but the Son of God said something different. Yeah, well, that's, that's really something. And they move on. Don't you want to know? <laughs> I'm always shocked that people don't really care what Jesus said. Uh, and we're going to talk about it as, as we find it in, uh, in chronological order anyway, as we go through the words of Christ. But there is a, no, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> you can look it up. Um, but there is a, there's a, a, a driving force within the Christian world that is a, um, uh, it, it seems to have a lot of sway. It seems to carry a lot of power with people. Um, and that driving force is what others think of them. And um, I, I just love the fact that, um, by the way, as we've been talking about in our particular subject here, in this particular chapter 3, uh, we've been talking about the temptation of Christ and and I was telling you as we closed uh, with the last show um, that there are only three stages of temptation, which is uh, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Um, this particular thing we're talking about now, where people are concerned about what others think of them, uh, this is so close akin to the pride of life, that we need to be very, very careful of it. As a matter of fact, uh, Jesus taught us that if we don't steer clear of this, that it could easily take our souls from us. And um, again, you know, I, I, I am amazed at people who don't just, you know, beat the door down wanting to know what did he say, what did he say, or at least go to the scriptures and find it for themselves and find out exactly what this horrible, heinous um, action that is going to destroy us, uh, what he actually says about it. But uh, we cannot be concerned with what people think of us 
uh, as Christians. You can't be concerned. You know, naturally, when you say that, somebody naturally starts to think immediately that I can't be concerned if someone is criticizing me. Isn't that right? When I say you can't be concerned with what people think of you, we naturally think of, okay, I should ignore when someone criticizes me. Well, okay, you're half right. Because the the obligation, the important uh, aspect of what I'm saying applies equally with those who think you're great. If you you would be the the odd person if I said you can't be concerned with what people think of you, and you naturally thought at that point, yeah, you're right. I can't be concerned about people who think that I am better than them, think that I'm greater than them, think that I'm more spiritual than them, think that I am something above them. You would be the odd person if that's what crossed your mind. But it is equally true in that area. Uh, As I said, that uh, there's a lot of denominations out there where people are more than willing to change the kind of clothes they wear they're willing to change their vocabulary. They're willing to change their attitudes, their, their character. They change uh, all the things, that, how they present themselves to the world. I always get a kick out of people. You, you stand out in front of some store, you know, and you're just having a conversation with somebody about the weather, just being nice. I don't know. And you'll say something, you know, about... Well, you know, I was I was saying to somebody, you know, uh, it was, um, you know, I, I was I was quoting somebody the scripture where Jesus said such and such. You know, bink, bink, bink. These little keywords hit their heads. Uh oh, I'm talking to somebody who's a Christian. And when those keywords hit their head, somehow they go in there and they flip on these switches. You know, vocabulary and attitude. And they start flipping these switches over to the Christian side. And they start talking, yeah, brother, amen. Glory to God, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And I'm thinking, where was all this talk, you know, for the last 15 minutes when we were talking about football or we were talking about fishing or we were talking about changing oil in the car? You know, where was all this talk? All of a sudden, you're going to start talking Christianese? Look, friend, don't look for that out of my mouth. I mean, if it's, if, if it's in my mouth talking about oil changes, you can find it when we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the, the things of God. Uh, you know, if we're going to be talking about religion or what the Bible happens to say or, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, end time events or whatever else. I'm not interested in playing those games. I am not interested at all. And frankly, I'm not interested in listening to you do it. These kind of things bother me so badly. Uh, I'm almost ashamed to bring them up um, because uh, I have been, I don't know if you have been, but I have been so scarred and, and treated in such a way inside the church that um, 
things that bring that back to my mind, they don't sit right with me. I was so glad when I found out that I didn't have to say, praise the Lord, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and amen, when I really mean I agree with you. Um, I found out there's nothing wrong with saying I agree with you. I don't have to say amen when you say something to make you think that I'm a Christian or to make you think that I'm as good as you are or I don't know what I don't know what they do that for. I think it's just to belong, just so you can belong. The um, the ideas of belonging are a, a very dangerous thing. Uh, we are going to have to understand that that we have to be careful who, as the scriptures say, who we strike hands with and who we supposedly belong to. I belong to the living God. Um, my relationship is with Him. It's not with the church. It's not with the pastor. It's not with religious people. It's not even with the Bible. My relationship is with Him. And I think that that's so foundationally important that to neglect it is to neglect it at your own peril. It will eventually turn out that uh, you have huge dissatisfactions with your with your Christian faith. And um, and frankly, you're going to come in and go out of it and never really even know why. Um, you're not going to understand why you've been a Christian all your life, yet you're afraid to die. You're not going to understand why you've been a Christian all your life, but uh, as your grandbaby's dying, you are absolutely powerless for comfort in that situation or power to change it or anything else. You're going to be severely disappointed that you've spent your whole life as a so-called Christian and you have no more power, no more understanding, no more revelation, no more relationship with God than the guy across the street who could not care less. Now, if that scares you, good. It scared me. And I decided to find out exactly how I can fix this in my life. One of the things was, is I decided that if our scriptures don't teach it, I'm not teaching it. If it doesn't say it, I'm not going to say it. And if, if it teaches against it, I'm going to teach against it. I'm not willing to change or to bend or anything else. Well, if you do that, you're going to be all by yourself. That's fine. You know, I mean, I, I miss people. I miss fellowship. But uh, not to the point that I'm willing to give up on what I understand to be truth. I'm certainly not going to give up on the greatest thing that has ever happened to me, which is my Christian faith that is now being lived according to the scriptures. All right. Hope you've enjoyed the show today. Join us next time to hear more from the words of Jesus. Listen, we want to hear from you. We'd like to know who you are and that you're listening. Uh, do you know you can do that simply by sending an email? Do it now. Don at thinkredinc.com. Or you can write to, if you're not a computer guy, uh, you can write to Think Red Ink Ministries at P.O. Box 718, Pie Town, New Mexico, 87827. All right, if you're wondering what Jesus said, hopefully these, are gonna, these shows are going to put it in your brain and you're going to be able to recall them simply by Thinking Red Ink. See you next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com.
That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.